All right, so let's uh, play the thing and then make the words. <laughs> this is a fit mess with Zach and Jeremy. All right, well, let's see if we can remember how to do this. It's been a couple months. Thanks for being there if, uh, if in fact, you've come back and found us. I'm Jeremy. That guy's Zach. Hey, what's up, everyone? And this is weird now because you we've done this a few times where uh, you are uh, 2,000 miles away in New York, and I'm here in our palatial studios in Seattle. Uh, but this is the normal now. You, you have officially uprooted and moved across the country because uh, you're the worst friend ever. Yep. I'll, I'll take that, that <laughs> and, trophy uh, home. And uh, the, the focus of the conversation today, I think, is going to center largely around vulnerability because the very fact that we're doing the show the way that we are today is uh, a little vulnerable for us. We've, uh, I think I can speak for both of us. I, I know this is how I feel coming into this one, that uh, on every previous show we've done, we have had uh, some sort of an actual qualified expert to share something uh, that, that we hope you can apply to your life, to your uh, routine, to in some way improve your life. Today, it's just us. Today, it's just mm-hmm. us sharing uh, our our battles, our struggles, our losses. There have been many. Our wins, there have been a few. Uh, and for me, uh, in that regard, the struggle to acknowledge those wins and uh, uh, to be okay with them and, and to even celebrate them has been difficult. Um, so it's been a rough couple of months, which explains why we've been uh, away for a couple of months. Not that you noticed, you jerks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but let's start Zach, uh, with, uh, you know, and, and, and let me start by saying, I hope this doesn't become just us whining at you about our problems. Uh, I hope this feels more like a, a, a way of sharing the, the struggle of what it is to, to have lives, uh, and that some way, in some way you can relate to, uh, whatever we experience here and, uh, and, and find comfort in being together through all of this. So with that being said, uh, it's it's been a busy and, and difficult and emotional couple of months. And, and Zach, I know for you, probably more so because you have finally uh, uprooted your family and moved across the country. Yep, we have. And and actually, to go back to your point that we don't have any qualified experts on this show, I actually think we do have two very qualified experts in getting down in the dumps and having to dig ourselves out of a hole because oh, I've been true. doing that for years. That's true. Multiple I, times. I, I feel I am most certainly a qualified expert at that particular uh, skill here. And I'm going to have to talk about a little bit about that because, because you're, you're absolutely right. The last couple of months have been really long, really rough. And my wife and I had to say goodbye to a lot of good friends that we won't see on a regular basis. Fortunately, you and I get to talk on a regular basis to do the show. So that makes it a little bit easier, but it's, it's been interesting. We've had to uproot the whole family and like you said, move across the country and everything is new and exciting and sad and a little exciting still. For a little context, you have moved back really to what, to what is home for most people. It's not like you moved to a completely new town where you know nobody. You've got a lot of family there, right? Yeah, we technically came home. And we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of friends, we've got a lot of family. So, I mean, we're not lonely. We're not, uh, you know, walking into this with no friends like we did when we moved to Seattle 10 years ago, but the family is here. And while I appreciate and love my family on both sides, the people that we met in Seattle, I consider more my family because I got to choose them. 
I miss them more. Uh, well, but I imagine that uh, at least if it were me, I struggle with processing emotions at all. Like whether it's just straight up joy, just sadness, whatever. But to feel sort of the whirlwind, the mix of I'm home, that's a great feeling. Oh, I'm, but I miss my other home. And oh, but I get to see my family. Oh, but I have to deal with my family. Oh, I have mm-hmm. this exciting new job. Oh, but, you know, I also hate that I have to work so much. Like whatever it is, that that ping ponging for me gets overwhelming to a point where I often shut down. Is that are you experiencing any of that? Um, I actually haven't had time to shut down. I think it, it's been so busy and crazy for the last month. I mean, just moving in general is crazy, but we, the time frame of getting our stuff and moving into a house and getting it unpacked, I mean, we're still trying to unpack the time that I really, uh, kind of went down into the dumps was actually the day that we left the day that we flew out. And I had a, you know, four hour flight where I could actually, think about that stuff. And normally I would, I would, would really just ignore it and try and move on and then not process it. This time I actually did process it, you know, in real time because I knew I wasn't going to have time to later on. Yeah. That's, that's something where we, we talked a little bit before the show, um, that I still have not. And, uh, through conversations with, with friends that, uh, I've, I've done some mental health work with, uh, they helped me realize that, for me, the the month of July especially has been brutal. I think I've had, you know, if you count today, which you know is not quite, uh, well, not even close to half done. We're we're doing this uh, around noon. Uh, I've probably had four good days this month, and mm. typically for me, uh, when when I get into a, de- a depression uh, episode, it's like a like a three four day deal. Then the clouds lift, and and I'm good for you know lately a couple months or so. Uh, in this case, it has just hung on. And then there are days when it seems to lift, but like by the end of the day, it's right back or it's back the next day. Like it's just been this this crazy uh, up and down, mostly down with, with minor uh, windows of, of feeling up. And through talking to a friend of mine, she was saying when when we get depressed, it's it's a block. It's something that we, uh, you know, something we're not dealing with. We're not processing something. Did something happen, you know, in the last couple of weeks that you feel like you haven't dealt with? Or is there some grief? Is there some sadness? And as soon as she said grief, it triggered that you guys moved right around that time. And, you know, I sort of had to immediately be there for my kids who were, you know, the, the older one crying and, and really upset about, you know, her friend moving away my wife upset about you guys leaving. And I felt like I sort of had to go into that caretaker role and not deal with my stuff, but to help everyone sort of deal with theirs. And so I don't know, I still don't know that I've fully processed you guys being gone. I mean, our, our lives have become really intertwined in the last few years through our kids and through, you know, business ideas and through this podcast. And so I, I think it has been harder on me than I expected. And I don't think that I have allowed myself to just sit and feel that loss. And, and I'm not trying to dump on you and say, you know, how dare you leave? But, you know, how dare you leave? Um, <laughs> but, no, but I'm only feeling slightly bad now. In the right. next two weeks, I'm going to be depressed for making you depressed. <laughs> but, uh, but, but this is an example of anything in my life. Because I struggle so much to process my, my real authentic emotions, because I generally don't give myself the time to deal with them, uh, once I finally do, you know, the floodgates open and it's a sob fest and it all gets out and I can sort of, you know, pick myself up and move on. I still haven't really done that. 
and mm-hmm. so I, so I think that's sort of the trigger. It's the the episode. The depression is never really about the thing. The thing is the trigger. And then I just allow myself to go down these really well-worn uh, mental pathways to to really dark places because that's how I've spent my life. That's how I've dealt with everything is just shut down, feel awful, and, you know, look for an easy way out. And uh, it's it's not healthy, and it's something that I've spent the better part of the last, you know, six or seven years working on, which is also frustrating because you spend all this time and you do all this work, and then you end up— so often starting over, like like just having to climb your way back out and having to find a way to find the light that you had for a, a brief moment or whatever. And I am starting to have some wins with with regard to that. And, and a lot of it is starting over. It's doing something physical, exercising, whatever. Like this this last month, really since Memorial Day, my my diet has been off the rails. I think going into Memorial Day, I was working out like six times a week. Now mm-hmm. now I'm working out four times a month. It's just everything is <laughs> off the rails. And so all these tools, all these things I'd been doing to sort of um, deal with a lot of this, because a lot of that, uh, you know, a lot of the nutritional aspects and the, and the physical aspects were helping me deal with the emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I let those fall, then that's when the darkness rises again. It's amazing how when when that stuff goes away and your systems aren't you're just not in your daily habits, it completely throws a loop into your or a wrench into your entire life. Um, I can certainly speak from experience on that one. And but it's work like, you know, it's we all talk about wanting to be happy and, you know, it just it doesn't just happen. You have to put a whole bunch of work into it. And I think that's, you know, 90 percent of the battle is realizing that you have to do the work and. If you don't do the work, you're not going to be happy and you're going to have months where things are going to be dark and you just have to be okay with those moments and be able to move on from them. Where, where I have to find ways to be compassionate with myself and, and, and give myself a break is realizing like, you know, in terms of all these tools that I've been using and having a lot of success with, I've only been doing that for really the last couple of years. I've been, you know, I've been in therapy for a long time, but all of these other things that I've been as a lot of our guests and people that we follow like to say, I've been biohacking my issues. Mm-hmm. That's all new to me. And so when I do fail, it's hard because when I do it, it works. When I stick to these things, I have success. And when I fail, I fall hard and I get mad at myself for not sticking with it because I, I can see the results. I can feel the results. And, and I know that I can do better, but there's something about... I believe this is a, a trait with depression, but there's something about the depression that wants to exist. And I can be mm-hmm. fully aware that if you just if you just start working out again every day, if you keep fasting, eat better, all the things that I that I do, I can't convince myself to do them because the depression says, "No, this is this is the song you know how to play. You stay mm-hmm. right here and you play this one because this one's comfortable. You've been doing this your whole life. All that stuff is nonsense. That's not that's not real." You're putting a Band-Aid on me. I'm, I'm the real you. So that, that is the, really the hardest part is getting to that point where I can finally face that voice and overcome it because it's so powerful. Yeah, I, I fall into the same trap too. And it's, you go back to what you're used to and it's so easy to fall back into that for sure. I, I try and take the moments where 
I fall out of my eating pattern and my exercise pattern and get down into the funk, I really, really try and reframe it and, and tell myself, look at, this is what happens when you don't do the things that you need to be doing and just use it as evidence to, to help guide my way. Really? Mm -hmm. It's just, it's that moment where you're like, Oh, whenever I stop doing all of these other things, I get into this mode. So I, I have to keep doing these other things. Yeah. You have to reframe it though. Otherwise you will go down that hole. And, and like I said at the beginning where I'm a qualified expert at, at digging myself out of that hole because I've <laughs> dug myself out so many times. How are you, uh, are you having any of that now? Are you having to, to sort of dig your way back into, into, um, using those tools and, and, and redeveloping those habits and patterns now that you're like kind of more settled at home and in your, in your actual house and not in a period of transition? Yeah. So we've, we've been in our house now for, uh, just short of two weeks. So just some context, you know, the, I've been in New York for almost six months now, but I've been in a little teeny apartment where I really couldn't exercise. And now we were moved into our house and I have the time and, you know, the space to do my exercises. So I really started when we moved in the day we moved in, I started doing another Sean T program. And to me, I was really out of shape. I don't think you'd you would be able to tell by looking at me, or at least that's what my wife tells me. Maybe she's just trying to make me feel better. Um, <laughs> but I, I could feel like the bloatedness, the, you know, I felt bigger. My clothes weren't fitting right. You know, just going upstairs was winding me. I mean, I was for, for what I'm used to, I was really out of shape. So I just dived back in, you know what, it hurt and I, and it was painful. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll have to go back to Sean T's, uh, you know, transform 20, how he talks about the first two weeks is this is just about commitment. Just get through the first two weeks and uh, you know, it doesn't get easier, but your, your motivation changes because you're changing your mind you're changing your body. But so I've been kind of like hardcore back on my tools for about two weeks now. And, uh, it's, I think it's what's keeping me sane and, and grounded at this point because we're still unloading the truck. We're still trying to get things through the door and we're banging into walls and trying to paint things and appliances installed. And, you know, we have a pool and a hot tub. I've never taken care of either one of those before. So I'm learning how to do that. So it's really stressful at this point in my life. But going back to those foundational tools to help keep me grounded has been absolutely critical. That's been, you know, it's funny you mentioned the, the Shanti and the Transform 20 stuff. That's that's another area that uh, that I've been having trouble with is that I did that program and it's the first time I've ever started and finished an entire workout program. Uh, and the whole time he's in your head saying, this is you. The, the voice in your head needs to be you. You need to be motivating you. And, and I buy into it and I, it totally makes sense. But something in me knew the day that I finished it that I didn't know what I was going to do next. Because mm-hmm. I had this routine, I had this commitment that I had made to myself. I, I had this external motivator that said, "All you got to do is finish this program, and you will win." Well, I won. Congratulations! But now what? Right. What do I do with that medal? Yeah. And so I started just kind of you know, like there's a bunch of bonus workouts. I would just sort of do those intermittently. I would, uh, you know, I kind of offset. I'd, I'd bike to work, and then the next day I'd work out. And but I didn't have. A routine. I don't have something that I'm committed to doing, 
So I've just been floundering. And so without, the, so that almost that um, decision fatigue every day of like, oh, well, what am I going to do today? Okay. So then I have to plan my day around. Is this something I'm going to, am I going to go to the gym and how do I pack for that? Am I going to ride my bike and how am I going to pack for that? And the, the decision fatigue starts to just wear you out. You're like, God, I'm just sick of thinking about it. I want to just have my routine, my pattern that I follow. So that's been a struggle for me too. And I thought about restarting Transform 20, but my schedule has been really inconsistent lately with everything that's been going on. And so that that for for that six-week period really was the anchor that helped me feel like, well, if I'm going to do this work, then I'm not going to eat bad because what's the point of doing the work if I'm going to eat bad? And then you know, once I'm eating right, then I stick to a schedule, uh, you know, a 16-8 uh, intermittent fasting schedule. And that helps regulate everything and helps burn the, the, the fat and, and make my brain function the way I want it to. It's like that the, the workout routine is block A, and then everything sort of builds from there for me. But I, mm-hmm. I know now, it's funny, I was thinking about today, the shows that we've done. I remember talking to Gretchen Rubin about uh, external motivators, and, and I need something. Once I'm in, I'm in, but I need something to kick me in the ass to do it. Right. You know, there, even even an example, you and I are talking about uh, are are trying to plan uh, a family trip to Disney World with with our friends, and that's something that I would if it weren't for you, I would spend the next five years thinking about and talking about and dreaming about that would be a thing. But every few mm-hmm. days, I get a text from you. It's like, how about this house? I want to book this one this weekend. Can we do it? Like, and and that reminds me of our of our trip to Disneyland. You and I went to Disneyland a few weeks ago, and yeah. had it not been for you pushing me to get out of my comfort zone and go on the rides that had terrified me my whole life, I would still be afraid of them, would still be worried about the day that I take my kids to Disneyland and I'm too afraid to go on the rides that they at, you know, eight, nine, five, whatever, want to go on. I would feel like a huge failure as a dad that I couldn't share those moments with them. So that was, uh, you know, that was one of the small wins that I've had in the last few weeks was, was, you know, with your help and the external motivation to overcome some of those fears. Like, I'm not about to get on any big-ass roller coasters or anything, but if my daughter says, hey, I want to go on Hyperspace Mountain, I'm going to go, you know, it'll probably kill me, but let's go. Like, I can do it. Yes. I mean, you went on a big-ass roller coaster. Space Mountain is is not a little roller coaster. I mean, it's 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 significant. I'm I'm still extremely proud that you, <laughs> you tackled that and went on it. That was, that was pretty impressive. But but again, it, it's that external motivation. And, you know, I know it frustrates my wife that uh, I've gone to Disneyland with her and she couldn't motivate me to do those things. And, you know, so there's a little bit about, you know, what is it about, you know, going with Zach that you can do this stuff? That's a bunch of shit. And I'm like, well, you're right. That is a bunch of shit. I don't know why. I don't know. There's just I don't know why. It's just sometimes the timing works out or whatever. Um, yeah. Well, in this particular case, it was great because they they changed I don't know when they did it, but they changed Space Mountain to be Hyperspace Mountain and it became a Star Wars ride. Right. So you kind of have to do all the Star Wars rides. And at least that was my argument that I posed to you at the time. And I I didn't think there was a chance in hell that you would get on it. But I said, hey, it's a Star Wars ride. And that seemed to be the turning point well, for you. But, you know, for, again, for context, we went there to uh, to experience Galaxy's Edge, the new Star Wars land uh, in Disneyland or whatever. So that was the theme. Like we were there to live in Star Wars, in, in Star Wars, to live out our childhood, uh, you know, fantasies or whatever of, of being in that world. 
So that was, yeah. at that point, that was the only experience Star Wars related that we hadn't had because we'd done everything else. And it's been Hyperspace Mountain for a long time, and that wasn't enough for me before. But because that was just where my head was the whole time and, and I'd gotten over the fears. And I know there are tens and tens of people listening to this going like, you were afraid of Thunder Mountain? Oh, my God, what's wrong with you? Or you, you were afraid of cars? Yeah, I was terrified of cars, but I did it. And it's a small win, but... I acknowledge that I sound ridiculous to, to most people. But for me, this is something that has haunted me like most of my life. Um, so you were right, though. It was like there's this just one more thing. And I, again, it was building blocks. I'd taken all these other little steps and, and gotten more comfortable and felt like I could push myself. Uh, and so I did. And 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 I was very proud of that. I, I was... Uh, I'm still proud of that because now I'm I'm looking forward to having those experiences with my kids. I took my kid on a on a ride here in Seattle the other day. It's uh it's like it's kind of like Soren, but it's uh it's in Washington. You're in this like virtual hang glider thing, and um, but I was psyched because I was like, this is a taste of something I'm going to be able to do with my kids soon, and I'm not going to have the same fear holding me back. And that just translates into so many other things in my life. Is just how how much and how often I let fear hold me back from doing big things to improve my life. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how, uh, uh, it is just so amazing how much fear can, can just keep you down. And once you look past it, I mean, it's still scary, but there's a, a sense of accomplishment there. I, I, st- I think you should post the picture of you on cars. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it was, it wasn't the, uh, I thought it was the space mountain one that was, was especially bad. No, the cars one. Uh, I think the Space Mountain one was pretty bad, but the the cars <laughs> one. There's context behind it in that it was your second ride. Oh, you're and right. <laughs> so, you you knew it was coming. Yeah. Oh, I still hate the the drop. I still hate that feeling. Uh, uh, but you did it. Yeah. Well, speaking of other accomplishments, and uh, somehow I wasn't able to celebrate this one even as much as I was able to celebrate the rides. But uh, I actually met what was my weight loss goal. When, nice. when, you, when you and I went camping, not this last Memorial Day, but the Memorial Day before, when I decided I was going to give this crazy keto diet thing a chance and maybe start working out a little bit, I set a goal for myself of dropping what was 55 pounds, uh, and I nailed it. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. And the worst part is the day I stood on the scale and and nailed it, I was so depressed that I couldn't acknowledge it. I couldn't celebrate it. I just, I was just numb to it. Mm. Um, and I actually, I posted a, a picture of the graph of the weight loss over the last, you know, year and a half or whatever to get to that point, and and shared that I was having a hard time experiencing the joy of the accomplishment. And a lot of people uh, responded and were really supportive, and, and I really appreciated that because that it just helped me. I needed some way to to market, to acknowledge it, to make it uh, somewhat of a celebration. So to be able to share it in that way was, was really good. But I, but I still, uh, I think because I still have work to do, I'm not satisfied with, you know, I I thought I would get to this point and go like, okay, I'm good. I just need to maintain. I feel like I still have some work to do. So maybe that is part of what's holding me back, but it was really difficult to, to meet that goal and, uh, and, and not just be able to celebrate. But what's been weird is that this whole time that my routine has been off the rails uh, diet out, you know, not out of control, but not good. Uh, working out, not good. Uh, the the scale hasn't budged, and so 
I'm, I'm trying to tell myself that doesn't matter. Like, you know you feel bad. That's the important part. Stick to that. But it's so easy to go, oh, well, I'm, I'm being a fat, lazy slob, uh, and I'm not suffering the consequences. I'm not, the scale isn't moving. Look at me. I can just do whatever I want now, which I know is, yeah. is complete crap. And so I'm, I'm trying to apply the same mental rules of how do you feel to my, to my work? Because if, if I paid attention to the scale, I would have felt really bad for the last year and how slow it was taking to get where I needed to get. And so now I'm just trying to remember, how do you feel? And I don't feel good. Well, and, and one of the important things you need to remember too is, is what is what you consider eating like crap now and feeling fat and feeling really not feeling good. You know, what that is today is, is vastly different than what it was a year and a half ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. It's, you're just, you're more aware of it now and you, you know what it's like to feel good. Once you know what it's like to feel good, it doesn't, take a whole lot to to feel bad and, and notice that difference so for as bad as you think you're eating i'd be willing to bet that your normal eating a year and a half ago was way worse oh totally yeah absolutely so I mean, it's it's a long journey but you've built habits and conditioned yourself so that you're you're gonna when you're eating terrible you know, it's, it's not nearly as bad and the, you know, the, the scale isn't going to change as much as it would have, you know, a year and a half ago. So you need to acknowledge that and congratulations. That's a, that's a huge amount of weight to have lost and I don't care how long it took. Yeah. You did it. So. Yeah, no, it feels good. It, uh, it is, it is, um, I'm having a hard time even saying it's something I'm proud of, but it is something I'm, I'm trying to be proud of. You should be very proud of it. And I'll, I'll get there. Uh, all right. You will. Well, I think I've uh, whined and complained enough. I don't know. Uh, you got more? Anything else you need to vent? <laughs> oh, I've got, I've always got stuff I can vent about, but, um, I think we'll, we'll keep it to a minimum today. I think, you know, we, we're, we're really just going to get back into a rhythm of, of, of these shows. We did have to take a little break just because life got in the way, but it's, you know, something that we need to not having these shows has actually been part of my depression. I think over the last month is, you know, not talking to you and the whole fact that I moved and had to leave and all that. But, you know, this has been such a regular part of my life over the last, what, nine months we've been doing this or so that it, it needs to come back into my life as part of my, uh, you know, I, I almost consider this a nice therapy session and it's relatively cheap to do. Yeah, it's true. Uh, you know, and, and I agree. That's, that's something that, that I was talking to somebody about the other day, that, that when I have staples like this, if nothing else, if, uh, you know, if three people ever listen to this show, it is an accountability tool for me. It makes me think about where am I at in my life and what am I trying to share with people that in some way can help them with their life. So I need to be able to walk in with a story to tell that, you know, I've, I've failed or I've accomplished something or I learned something and I want to pass it on. If I don't have any of that, if I don't have a, again, an external motivator, this show as a resource to make me process things, make me think about things, then I don't, it's easy to, to just sort of let all of those things go. Um, so having this as a regular tool, uh, also is helpful. 
And it, it's just funny because that also relates to therapy. You know, when I see that I have a therapy session coming up in a couple of days, I start thinking about, oh, what's going on in my life that I need to work through? And I start working mm-hmm. through it just by the nature of I have this external motivator that I need to uh, be ready for, that I need to prepare. So it's just it's I know I'm I'm learning now, really, just in, in the last few days leading up to this conversation, how much I need to install or or somehow put in place external motivators to make me accountable to myself uh, and to those motivators to actually live the kind of life that I'm trying to live uh, and, and to you know hopefully be an example, mostly to my kids, but also to anyone that this might be helpful for. Yeah. Anyone who's listening and, and getting some value out of this, that's great. But again, this holds me accountable and like exercise, we've been doing it pretty ad hoc, figuring out, hey, let's talk on this day at this time. And we really just need to schedule it and have yep. it on a regular cadence. Yep. Like exercise, right? I mean, if you if you figure out what you're going to do for exercise for the next two months, you don't have to think about it. You know what you have to do. And there's no decision fatigue like you were talking about. So that's that's my goal is to make sure that we get this on on our calendars and that it, it it's happening regularly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's it. I think we're good for now. Uh, there you go. A very stripped down, very vulnerable, very raw show. No bells, no whistles, just us and the voices in our heads. Um, yes, but the but these are the things that we that we all struggle with, right? We all have days like this, and I think this is probably just just our way of saying, you know what? It's not always about you know making progress and learning new tools and new techniques. Sometimes it's about digging yourself out of a hole and um, going back with all the things that you know work and just getting yourself back on the bike. Yep. So grab a shovel, so. grab a bike. And uh, meet us back here, hopefully in uh, in a couple of weeks. We're going to try and get back to, no, we're going to get back into a regular routine of having an episode available every couple of weeks. And you'll find that at thefitmess.com. We'd love your feedback. Uh, if you want to give us a call, leave a message at 206-659-7667. You can rewind that or just listen now, 206-659-7667. If you want to just leave us a message, share what, you know, your reaction to this Share your struggle, share the things that you do to get yourself out of a hole, you know, what works for you. We'd love to hear any, you know, how, how you relate to any of this conversation. Um, you can do so there. And we're always on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all the links, to all of that are on our website, thefitmess.com. Um, oh, I didn't even talk about how much uh, non-alcoholic beer has been my savior this summer. Uh, but part of that, a uh, big part of that has been our, our very generous sponsor, Bravest Brewing Company. They make some of the best non-alcoholic beer you can find on the market. You can get a link to them on our website as well while you're uh, looking for all the other ways to get in touch with us. Thank you to them. Thank you for listening. And uh, thank you, Zach, for making this work today. And uh, thank you, uh, Universe, for allowing this all to happen. Uh, that's all we got. We'll see you in a couple of weeks at thefitmess.com. See you, everyone. Bye.